mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bird to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Hi there, welcome to the LM Experience. This is episode 23. Episode 23, we're knocking these off at a rate of knots now, Stu, aren't we? We are indeed. Huh? Yeah. Have you got any subscribers? Eh? Have we got any subscribers? I think we've probably got about 23, I would imagine, by now. I think what an episode we're picking up, aren't we? Very good, very good. Right, so let's not hang around, because we've got some some glamour in the studio today, Stu. We've got, other other than yourself, obviously, we've got (laughs) uh, Mr. Hugh Way-Jones, Managing Director from Ennis Global Mortgages. Hello, Hugh. Good morning, guys. How are you? You've flown in on your gold-plated <laughs> Learjet from Monte Carlo today, have you? Uh, fly out tonight. Yeah, you fly you know, out on it tonight, do you? Yeah, I do fly out. So it's, um, we'll have but... to talk quick. He's only allowed to stay in the country for 15 minutes for tax reasons, <laughs> so let's not let's not hang around. So, Hugh, let's find out about the man behind the tan. Um, how did you get into the industry? Um, a little bit by default. Family interest um, has always been property. Um, suddenly, my father's been in since, um, since he left... Uh, um, the company that he started. Was he developing properties? Um, no, so he, he, he just invested. He bought um, fair, some property along the South Bank, sort of before there was cool, the... Good um, time to do that. Yeah, before there was the Millennium Bridge and yeah. the Shard and, and the Jubilee Line, all that, and sort of always joked that you made far more sort of in the, the four or five years after he, <laughs> yeah. after sort of he, he left his work sort of opposed to the 40 years before. So I, I went for a surveying interview, got very bored, mm. um, went to sort of various estate agency interviews and, and just felt maybe a little bit um, not right, a bit grabby. And then sort of the interest really on mortgages was so I'd worked um, just part-time for a mortgage broker um, in my uni holidays. Um, I think I mentioned to you sort of when now I look back, possibly one of the most corrupt men I've ever met in my life. <laughs> Plenty of them. Um, what year was this? Uh, so that would have been 2002-ish, oh, I think. Oh, yeah, it would have been riddled with corruption. And, and then I, I spoke to um, a guy called Marcus Kiley, who's at London and Country Mortgages, who okay. did a couple of mortgages for me and my dad, and just said, look, I'm interested in this. You know, what should I do? And he said at the time, the three biggies were Cobalt Capital, um, uh, Savills and Alexander Hall. So he said, right. look, if you're in London, apply to those guys. I did. And, and such is the the Foxton and Alexander Hall recruitment machine. I was sort of wearing a, a shiny suit and tie. And, <laughs> you had a mini? It, it, uh, no, so Alexander Hall you didn't, unfortunately. But, you know, I was in their office in 48 hours and, and wow. had an absolutely brilliant three or four years. Um, Good and, training ground? Yeah, fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah. And, and just so, so much fun. And John Hunt at the time just created an atmosphere that for like a guy in the early 20s, I mean, literally, there probably is nowhere better, in my opinion, that you could have been. And just was, That was an exciting time for the industry, I think. I think yeah, definitely. That um, was kind of before sort of regulation got a stranglehold on it. Uh, it was it was just, a, London was really vibrant. Yeah, it's back I then, think the whole country wasn't was. It? The whole I mean, country was. Yeah, yeah. it was just one um, of those things, wasn't it? What, what did you find when you started that role, um, opened your eyes to the market, to just being about, the mortgage as a, as a thing, in inverted commas? I think for me, I always wasn't wanted to work for myself and start a company. My dad had always said that you won't get rich working for anyone else. And so that was always kind of my goal. And I just saw mortgages as a piece within the property market that you had a fairly direct channel to it. Yeah. Um, so mortgages per se, yeah, they're pretty boring things mm. aren't they if we're honest about it but, product, yeah. but they underpin probably the entire more yeah the entire property process you know even mm. if someone's buying 
you know, hundred million pound commercial property in the centre of the city of London, no matter how wealthy or smart mm. all the individuals and lawyers and solicitors and bankers and and tax advisors are in the middle, the money has to turn up on completion date. Mm. Otherwise, yeah. you know, otherwise everyone doesn't get paid. Yeah. So for me, I kind of thought with one eye on potentially developing myself and, and you know, what my father had, had built up in terms of what he had bought, I thought, well, if I just understand how to do mortgages, if nothing else, I'll be able to sort of manage and, and develop property better myself. And that kind of just snowballed really into, you know, into what became Ennis ultimately. Were you a success as a broker? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. I think um, there were guys who were stronger than me. I think what was a big eye-opener for me was actually, I always thought I was pretty confident and you know, I could talk to people. And then it's not until you get sat in front of a phone and told to make sort of 30, 40, 50 phone calls yeah. a day yeah. that actually you realise that you don't have as great communication. Yeah. yeah, and so so that was sort of what really took time. But once you just got rid of that ego, nerves, mm-hmm. you know, Britishness, whatever you want yeah. to call it, that actually I found it a fairly sort of easy job to do. And I think mm. what I've always been pretty good at is being very detailed, you're very much on the front foot. And I think people yeah. like that. John Hunt um, always said, you know, two things, you know, always ask for the business and don't leave anything on the table. Mm. And so that was kind of always the, you know, the two rules that I remembered and, and would always push forward. And I think that's part of the problem for a lot of brokers yeah. these days that they get so caught up in the advice that they forget about the actual selling bit or yeah. relationship building bit so yeah. um and and very much so at ennis you know the product is a product i think even nowadays you know most mortgage brokers have done it for a few years if i said to you look this is my scenario within about 20 seconds you've probably got a pretty good idea which it's it going to be in your head yeah but you what you've experience. got to do is build that relationship yeah. and build that trust that you can say well look actually this is going to take four or six weeks and we're going to be speaking two three times a day even more yeah like, are you prepared to go on this journey with me? And, and you know, you're going to give me your bank statements, all this personal yeah. information yeah. that you wouldn't give to anyone. And, we, yeah, we've only met 20 minutes ago. So, so that's well, sort the, of the key. The, the first question we ask anyone is probably the most impersonal one. That my, my dad would, you know, be shocked if anyone asked him yeah. how much you earn. And yeah. it's the first thing we ask people. Yeah. And, and they're very open that they, they well, come back. It, yeah, I think a lot of it as well is that it's the, it's the communication throughout the process, isn't it? It's the case of framing everything around what we have to do, the, the boring stuff, and cut through that for the clients and then make it in, in such a fashion that you can... I think the biggest skill any mortgage broker's got is adapting how they deliver what they're talking about to different clients. Mm. Because you've got so many different levels of understanding out there from clients, and you've really got to pitch things at the level that they want it. Yeah. Because you're going to have people, for example, where they're... I mean, the guys that you're going to be dealing with are going to be the ones who've just simply, above all else... Time is money for them. Yeah, they just want somebody to take it on for them. And well, let's talk about uh, Ellis. Okay. How, how did that happen? So, as, as as wonderful as the market was in two thousand and five, two thousand six, two thousand seven, the big issue that we had time and again was that our best clients or best leads. Um, you know, were of the wealthiest individuals. Um, At the time, a lot of Middle Eastern buyers in London, um, putting a lot of the houses, which were houses, got turned into flats, were then Mm -hmm. being turned back into houses. Mm -hmm. Um, We couldn't help them. So we had, although we had this incredible panel of lenders, you know, clients who were structured in a certain way, so, you know, owning properties through companies or trusts, uh, you know, clients, how clients paid themselves or didn't pay themselves, you know, how they had accumulated their wealth, just Mm -hmm. didn't tick enough boxes, even back then. So, we said, look, some people, yeah, somebody must be lending to these guys. It's a niche, it's a gap in the market that we can exploit. 
Um, so we we formed Ennis with, with, with that view that we would just service you know the wealthiest one percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's an interesting concept back then as well, wasn't it? Really, because we, Stu and I were just chatting on the way over here, and it, no one was really in the high net worth market. I don't think. No, were they? I, I think that there were large mortgage loans. L and yeah. sort of existed, and, and but I think you know even that was sort of in its you know, fairly formative days yeah. in terms of mm-hmm. the proposition. And I think obviously Knight Frank and Savills by default of who they are yeah. and the kind of where they have offices fell into that space but I think people have just got so drunk on just processing 27, 27 yeah. Bank yeah. of Scotland and yeah. Northern Rock applications a day that sort of spending a bit of time pulling apart someone's accounts or you know the kind of structure of how property's held or how they're mm. paid just didn't really appeal so you, it sounds like you evolved with your client bank you had to follow your client bank basically yeah so yeah. We, we probably we probably had about half a dozen really great clients one, one Russian in particular um, who you know, was just you know, still gung ho despite what was happening, um, and I think I, I said, yeah, you know, become good friends with with you know, most of those most of those half dozen, and having speaking to all of them individually, I sort of like you know you were remortgaging like crazy at that time, and you would have mm. thought people say, oh, you know, you must have got absolutely stuffed two thousand seven. We had a really good first couple of years. And and that was really because those guys were like, look, we've seen it before. We knew the liquidity was going to dry up. We were going to refinance and just get all our money out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we we really hit the buffers, if you like, or struggled probably two years after inception when we sort of looked around and said, well, look, now we'd actually like to start growing the company. And there just wasn't you know, that ability to grow. Or, and, and so we had a very tough probably three or four years. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, do you think you're at the forefront of that credit crunch just with, with your um, makeup of Clark Bank? Um, do you think I they d- suffered more than the high street? Uh, no, I don't think so at all. Because I think the ones who were living on credit just got desperate, mm. and they just had to do stuff. They had to refinance. You know, they were prepared to drop from term finance onto bridging rates, or or get money however they wanted yeah. to. A couple of instances, we found private individuals to lend cash to other high net worths. So they, they were um, asset rich but cash poor. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I think the others just didn't care. To mm. be honest, we we thought we were going to get absolutely buried, mm. and. Prices in London just kept on rising. You know, 2007, 8, sure. 9, 10, 11, 12. You know, year after year, the same nonsense in the papers of, you know, the bubble's going to burst, yeah, the bubble's yeah. going to burst. And so even when the banks weren't really lending, you know, we were seeing that people were saying, well, actually, yeah, loan-to-value now is 50% or 45%. And as you know, loan-to-value is probably the one thing on a mortgage, especially on the bigger ones, where if you've got a bit of headroom, you can make something happen. Yeah. Um, so there, so that really sort of kept everything afloat, I think. And, and where's, where's Ennis now then? Because you know, I've always watched your career here with yeah. interest because I, would like to, I always like to see someone do something different. I think yeah, you guys have done you. something different. So where, where are you now? What, what you, you seem to be expanding um, Yeah, so, well, I mean, I think what we've done is we, we want to focus very much in the international markets so um, I won't say we had huge foresight and, and we sort of saw all the nonsense with Brexit and everything that's going on but we probably about three or four years ago we got to a certain size about 30 or people and you know Buying or or, or get, you know, taking more land in the UK was disproportionately expensive for us. You know, like I said, the likes of Savills, the likes mm. of Knight Frank, mm-hmm. are always going to control prime central London to a certain extent. And about sixty or seventy percent of our clients are international. So we said, well, look, what we we'll start doing is offering a wider range of products, i.e., mortgages internationally to that same client bank. And we don't have to find anyone more. So the office in Monaco opened um, two and a bit years ago. There's four people down there now. Um, in Dubai, eighteen months ago, three there, and oh. Jersey. We've just got our permission, so that will be sort of 2019's focus. And I always say that I kind of have this vision that 
you, you have Hiscox for insurance, you have Coots for banking, rightly or wrongly, St. James's Place for wealth management, mm-hmm. but no premium brand exists mm-hmm. for mortgages internationally. And there's no reason why a company like Ennis couldn't be in Hong Kong or Singapore or in so Moscow. So you've got plans to, to, to extend as um, far as that? I mean, pe- Australia? I mean, that's, you know... Yeah, I, I, I think... I'm just, I'm just itching for a job, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think we, we... I certainly spend a lot of my time on a plane and, and running around and it seems glamorous it's good fun you know yeah. I, I'm not going to say not um, I said Monaco go back to this evening uh, Lisbon on Thursday or Friday go to Moscow next week wow. uh, to Dubai the week after but a lot of that is just door knocking mm-hmm. and putting my cap out and saying that this is what we do you're interested so yeah. it's not um yeah, it's not wine. There's, there's a lot of airport lounges. Yeah, but also I think you're selling yourself. You've got to be fairly humble. It's yes. not a word I'd, I'd necessarily associate with myself. Sure. But I think, yeah, you're asking for the business. It's back to those old mm. John Hunt days at mm. Foxton's. You know, ask for the business. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, we rock up in I don't know Zurich or somewhere. A few years ago, we haven't met anyone, and you're knocking on doors saying, this "Yeah, will you, will you give me ten yeah. minutes for a coffee?" And, and you pitch yourself. It's still like you were back yeah. in two thousand and two, two thousand and three. Yeah, it's just the stakes were a bit bigger, and now we've got a nice big brand behind us and a bit of a machine. Yeah. Um, but two thousand nineteen, I think, is um, is maybe one to sit on a little bit and have a look at what's going to happen. Just I think wait, um, might a bit. Do you think? I think growth for us may come through opportunity. Um, yeah, in whatever form yeah. that 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 might um, that might present itself. Okay. What kind of deals are you working on? Come on, give us, come on, just dangle us <laughs> some big carrots. Um, <laughs> so, ah, look, we, there's on. plenty going on. So, we just completed last week uh, uh, a loan in Tuscany, which was 7 million on a 14 million villa. Uh-huh. It's very nice. Uh, 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 one of the Benelux banks did that, mm-hmm. um, which was nice ourselves. We've got a couple of purchases. Um, in London, over fifty million. One's one's exchange, one's about to exchange, which will, yeah, Happy really, yeah, 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 yeah. Even for ourselves, you know, yeah, yeah colossal deal deals. For any, any stretch. Of um, and but you know, look, we do we do lots of stuff as well. I mean, I'd say our sort of average, our sweet spot probably sits somewhere between the three and five million, right? Okay, um, and that's kind of where we see a lot of stuff. Well, that's interesting because um, I, I did actually refer a client to you guys mm. uh, a few years ago, which I think is probably worth mm. talking about. Mm-hmm. The understanding that actually, if you've got something complex, don't do what brokers used to do. In the past and that is just try and place that case with very mm. little not knowledge because you'll end up starving to death in the mm. process unless you know what you're doing so I had, yeah. a, I had a complex case um i know when i'm out of my depth i'm all right up to three to five but after that that's just yeah. not my market at all so i handed it over to um ennis and did a very good job at it and the clients come back to me so I, I, there was no loss from my point of view mm. but ultimately the most important thing is the client got the mortgage yep. but I couldn't get for him so I think it's important that you pitch your services now Hugh if you want to with the brokers listening in because there is a service that you can add yeah no, I think that's it I mean look I think most brokers are going to have a stab at it and probably have a very good stab at it but also yeah look we're we're not after grabbing clients off people mm. and I think it's that thing of just saying look if you if a conversation's wanted to just saying look this is a situation what do you think then we can very much provide an overview of how mm-hmm. we'd come about it of how we'd structure it and I think crucially for ourselves is obviously a lot of what we talk about is, is UK focused but lending now I'd say probably about 40% of our turnover comes from international mortgages so mm-hmm. Paris is a big market for us the Americans are still crazy buying in Paris and struggle to get um, borrowing because of FATCA and the tax issues that go with that obviously Monaco south of France um, you're huge for ourselves Spain and the Balearics a lot going on including developments and we're putting away so I think if you have a wealthy client the chances are they're going to have a house in the south of France they're going to have a place yeah. in New York they're going to have whatever but you must also have banks that, that you can access the, the, the average broker is not going to 
be able to yeah, do that. I mean, so it's I, just because of reputation. I mean, I think a lot of the banks um, obviously stick their, stick themselves out for lending. Yeah. But then also, a lot of the banks, especially some of the Middle Eastern or Far Eastern banks, or you know, mentioned sort of some of the banks from the Benelux countries, may have an office in London. But I mean, it's like two or three people there. So the idea of just getting hammered by you know, a company of 50 brokers just doesn't appeal to them. Mm. So they're going to just openly say, we don't take introduced business. But over the 12 years, you know, we, we've knocked the door and we've shown what we know what we're doing. So, um, look, I, I think we can offer something different. I think we have a pretty can-do attitude if someone wants to talk something through and just say, look, what do you think? Then we're mm. more than happy to do that. Yeah, um, I think that's the thing, because like, like Martin said, I think the, the level of knowledge that, let's, let's say, inverted covers the average broker will have will be limited beyond to a certain point, won't they? And that's the thing, it's how to to know how to present the case well, that's in, it. in but, the right way. But also it? in the same way, we don't... Yeah, we're, if somebody wants a loan of 100, 200, 300, 400 grand, then, yeah, that's not what we're doing. So it's mm. not a case of... Yeah. And I've never said, you know, doing big loans isn't about being la dar or, or fancy whatever. I'd happily sell adverse credit mortgages mm. Of, mm. or second charges or mm. secured loans if it made me money. You know, my, <laughs> my, my process is running a business. It just yeah. seems to be that we found... You're not precious this, about that. No, that's... I just... We found a niche that yeah. works and, yeah. and that's what we're sort of running at. And... Um, yeah, that, yeah, that's how how we how we go about things. Wow. Good that's luck, good. good luck to you, Hugh. Sounds like Thank you've you got very a great much. business. It looks like it could be an exciting year going forward for um, for Ennis. Uh, Stu, as usual, it always goes too quick, don't you think? It does indeed. It the does. Taxman's downstairs apparently waiting. He's got a, he's got a car running for Hugh, so we better. <laughs> quick question before you go, though, Hugh. Yeah. Quick question. Uh, we normally ask all of our guests: um, Do they have a favourite football team? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Spurs fan. So I'm, uh, uh, very yeah. happy with how things are going. Yeah, perfect. I think um, I think it looks like Pochettino might hang around, or, or maybe go yeah. maybe go to Madrid. I mean, look, whatever happens, it, it's fair enough, and they've got a business model. Um, so they'll stick to it but look it, it's been amazing and yeah. all this nonsense about not winning anything at the moment I don't think Daniel Levy could care less you know he, yeah he, the he's, fans are enjoying the football aren't they yeah. it's good football he's making some money I think everyone wins it'd be, it'd be nice to see when we get into a stadium him spend a few quid mm. even yeah. if it's just a couple of trophy players just maybe to stick it, it out it does there. look like a good stadium it deserves no definitely give Toby his wages and, <laughs> and you know sort of get, tie a few of the others down and, and, and I'll be happy but look it, it, it's great and even even Wembley, people have sort of made a big thing of it. I think I've been a few times this year, and it's been great fun going along. So yeah, no complaints. Um, Fantastic, excellent. Well, okay, as so long as you finish second behind Liverpool, we don't really care, do we, Stu? <laughs> I don't care. Long Saints stay up to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Both ends of the table there. Right, exactly. Hugh, thanks very much. Good luck. Safe flight back to Monte Carlo when you leave yet. Um, and Stu, that's the end of episode twenty-three. I think it is indeed. Yeah, just a reminder: you can also send us questions through our Twitter feed, which is at the LM Experience. If you wish, you can also nominate some future guests as well uh, or you can come on yourself just drop us a line on Twitter and we'll get back to you uh, we look forward to speaking to you again soon good speak soon thank you Hugh thank you thanks for listening and please subscribe and follow us on Twitter and remember there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party and your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it mm-hmm.